Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. We are breaking up some of the men's previews. We've still got Yumbo and I think UAE left and Bahrain and Astana with some of the top women's teams in Women's World Tour, SD Works and DSM. Now, there's been a fair bit of movement. Well, one big piece of movement between these two teams. It was a season of change and transition for SD Works with superstar Anna Vanderbrecher going from being their leader on the road to their leader in the team car. And so, yeah, it'd be interesting to talk about these two teams going through the same format as we do for the men's teams. Review 22, transfers, um, and then projected success and what we expect from them in 2023 and what we think their goals and objectives uh, should be. But talking of people in the car, I'm not sure if you've got like a (laughs) – can we put you in some sort of graphic car? Like, <laughs> Benji, you should do that in your videos on the when you're the Zwift DS. You're in, in a car. Someone designed that up and put that on Twitter, Benji, in a um, team car. I hear whispers of a good result in a recent video. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So for people that don't know, the last few weeks I've had a series on my channel, Collaboration with Zwift, where I am a sports director for six amateur riders. We fight in something called the Zwift Racing League, a tournament. And over these weeks, we're doing the likes of a, a climbers race in week one, a, time, a team time trial in week two. And I have to prepare those races with those riders, make it suitable for them, tell them which watts they, are, they need to ride at the front in a team time trial, stuff like that. And we've had some ups and downs throughout the weeks. We've had a uh, very good result recently. So if you want to check it out, it's on the Benji Nasen YouTube channel. It's a series that... Honestly, is a lot more fun than even I anticipated when it started because you really feel the dynamic and the fun of the people that are riding it as well. So it's like a friends group that come together and they start riding their bikes and they might or might not get results as a consequence. What's your take on it? Well, you told me they came 10th out of 16 last year and now you're coming second in races. And so my question to you is, how are we to believe your performances? <laughs> Convince the public you're on the Champs Elysees podium. How are you? Also, how much credit are you claiming? Are you no credit? It's all it's all the guys, or other end of the spectrum? Me after the Vingegaard time trial on Twitter <laughs> level of credit credit claiming for the victory. So, where, how much are you, credit are you giving yourself here? I give about 89% of the credit to the people, to the riders. I give about 1% to the viewers because they also have a part in it. Without their motivation, we wouldn't be doing it. 10% to me because I feel like sometimes when these riders are about to drop on a climb and then suddenly I start shouting at them, they sometimes ride two watts per kilo faster for like 10 seconds. It's like me shouting at them is just the most important part of being a Diaz in these races. And hey, it works, so I can't complain. All right. 
that's Benji's time as Zwift DS. That's still ongoing. Go and check that out if you haven't seen it yet. Or check out Zwift at Zwift.com where you can race, train, or just cruise around to your heart's content. But SD Works 2022 uh, season, 19 wins in total, of which 11 were at World Tour level, which, you know, is a pretty high proportion of them. However, no, they did win a monument. And I would say, like, there's no women's Lombardi, there's no women's San Remo. To be honest, Strada Bianca, if you're equating audience interest yeah. in a one-day race, I count it as monument level for the women. There is a huge amount of focus on and attention on that race. It's a great weekend um, of racing. They won that plus the Tour of Flanders, so they started the season hot. However, they didn't win any of the three for one of a better word, Grand Tours, being um, Tour de France Novak Swift, the inaugural edition, Giordana, or the or La Vuelta, mainly because Annemiek van Vleuten uh, ran the gauntlet with those races. <laughs> Nor did they win Tour of Britain, uh, but they did win Tour de Romandie Femina. That was Moulman ahead of van Vleuten right at the end of the year. It's not when the men's is in spring. And they won Ithulia um, with Vollering in pretty dominant fashion, I might say. So they did get a stage of Tour de France Femme and the podium. Uh, they got that stage with Royce. How would you rate their season? I would give it a pass. I'm not giving it like full marks outstanding season. You can't call it a failure either. I'm giving mm -hmm. it a pass. I agree it's a good season, not a great season, not a bad season in that sense. Just a, an on-par good season of what we expect from an SD Works. I will say Kopecky did very well in those early races. You said it's Strade Bianca, Ronde van Vlaanderen. Those are two wonderful victories where she went head-to-head -head against the best of the world and delivered. And it's really sad to say that I think they could have won more if they played it better from the support car, the team car. I know, I know. It, just because I'm sports director in a Zwift team now, I, I, I can talk about sports director stuff. Now, it's, I think it's clear in some races where their tactics were not on point and where their in-race execution as tactics was also not on point. I think in RVV, despite winning a bit Kopecky, I swear I recall them before the last part, they were chasing down Royster, who was ahead. That is counterproductive. Let other teams do that and benefit from that situation. Paris-Roubaix, Kopecky was up the road with two other riders. She was not allowed to ride. Afterwards, they sent Cecchini to follow an attack by Longoborghini. Can't close it. Longoborghini rides off solo. For the majority of the race, Majerus and Chantal van den Brublak are selected as leaders for Roubaix. And at the end, they switched to Kopecky. While it was really obvious for the entirety of the couple season that Kopecky should have been leader in the first place. And... I don't know. I feel like there's something wrong with their team car. I don't know if it's a certain person. I don't know if it's the team dynamics nah, that make it... Is it the team dynamics, the riders that make it difficult to work as a team, or is it the team car that can't direct them properly? Well, yeah, it's both. You're right. It's like, I don't think the... It's tough to go from teammate and then six months... Not even six months. Van der Brecher, literally, she was DSing last year um, straight away. I think it's tough to go from teammate but the sort of leader yeah uh to explicitly the boss and management i think that would be quite difficult um yeah. to do where you're like you know van der brecher led by example last year to great effect and it's different when you're in the car being like 
Ashley Moorman, I need you to, you're going to get no chance today. I want you to ride for Demi 100% in this finish. Um, and even you might lose, you might lose GC spots. Yeah, I'm still, Roubaix was weird. Tour de France, um, Vex Swift was really weird. Um, and they did kind of, well, I, I forgot Roubaix was bad. The big problem was Tour de France when Van Vleuten was literally, she said she was shitting herself, um, like really sick and in those first couple of stages. And I'm sorry, nothing is free in life, but um, yeah, like she was getting dropped. Like, I'm sorry, if you're sick or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like SD works are entitled to take advantage of that. And they didn't. Uh, because for whatever reason, they couldn't really decide on a singular leader. Uh, they already gave up on GC. Of course, Van Blurton came back and took hella time in the latter stages, but who knows what could have happened? Um, who knows what could have happened? I don't know. Uh, they even could have won those earlier stages. They ended up with that break from oh, sort of finesse move from Royce. But yeah, it's. But then again, it's like. Can you really expect Volering to or Mulman to beat Van Vleuten in GC anyway? I agree with that last sentence as well. I think that it's very difficult to come into a race and expect to win against Annemiek van Vleuten these days. I do think maybe Aromandy gives hope to riders with a Mulman beating Annemiek van Vleuten, for example. But I would argue that that is not the strongest van Vleuten in that race. But Tour de France from van Vleuten on the Romandie Tion 2000 climb and she destroys Mulman is my personal take. Now, we don't know that for certain, but the Amstel example, for example, was where Cavalli went in the last stretch with her move and Molman waited a bit before she got to the front to start working for Volering. That's the tiny things where if you know someone is clear leader and someone is clear domestique, then that clear domestique will be at the front instantly, for example. And in some races, it's clear that that is not 100% decided or the riders don't 100% agree and still play their own cards a bit. And that plays into their results as well. Now, there were also races where they just weren't good enough. Like Lotto Kopecky in the Tour de France Femme, she wasn't good enough. She was not strong enough to win a race nor be overly competitive in them. So I don't consider that necessarily the best part of her season to get away. I think she also wasn't amazing at Girodon. I think she was at Girodon. I'm not 100% She didn't win a race since May in uh, Burgos or something. Yeah, so the second part of the season, worse than the first part, but on let's be honest about it. Looking at the entire season, it's still a goddamn successful season for Kopecky, regardless of what happens in the second half. It just sucks that the first Tour de France Femme is the one where she isn't that strong, I would argue. Now, we obviously had the unfortunate accident of Amy Peters. Was that end of last year, early uh, 2022? I think the most recent news is that she uh, was walking or something. Now... I think her contract expired going into 2023, if my memory is right. I do think they miss Amy Peters in the team in terms of like the race basis. If we take a look at, it was always yeah, she a, was a, a glue s- rider. Exactly. Like a domestique that was always there, they could count on. And if the leaders weren't there, she could still pull it off at the end sometimes. So yeah, she was that kind of rider that this team needed. And I feel like Cecchini wasn't able to fill that same role necessarily despite being positioned in that role, or do you see someone else that was placed in that role? Well, I thought it'd be, it was Marjorie and then it was supposed to be Vandenbroek Black, and then Vandenbroek Black was like, will I retire? No, I won't retire. And then she was kind of writing for her own results in Roubaix or something as well. And then she's extended until the end of 2024. Um, 
London Brook Black. So yeah, yeah, it's um, I mean that's great. Like she's still a really really good rider. But yeah, it's the other one which we haven't mentioned her name at all. And I we all well I thought she was going to kick on. Yeah, after bursting onto the scene last year, and I think she did have injury issues or something. It was Blanca Vash, like fourth in uh, the elite road race in like her second world tour level race um, in September last year. And then this year she's just not been competitive at world tour level. Um, is surprising. It, is it because we're expecting too much instantly? For no. example, if she's we take a, a look, talent. if we take a look at the initial races, I'm still flesh LVL. I swear she was put in a domestique role. Early on in the races, maybe because she wasn't on the level to compete in those races, that's a very valuable reason for her to be a domestique. But getting top 40s in all three races means you're at least valuable to the team in some shape or form. But we expect more. We expect her to be competing for races, competing for potential top fives in those races in the future. So maybe this is just the, the year where she's settling in. Considering she's so young, I would dare to give her a pass on this. No? No, of course. I'm not saying give up on her, but like... She's washed! <laughs> it, like Neve Fisher Black's domestique, and in flesh she came seventeenth in Liège eighteenth, yep. um, and like very clearly to me a domestique. Plus, I remember you always remember Fisher Black doing work, and then you know Giordana she got her own chance fifth in GC. I think yep. her progression's very very good. Now, of course, there's no big headline wins for her um, this year. No wins Giordano. at all, but fifth. Fifth, yeah, like she's just progressed and improved really nicely, moving from sort of 14th, 15th in GC to now 8th in Burgos, which is a good race. Um, and, yeah, 5th in Giordana. She didn't do the Tour de France fam. So, yeah, she's only 22. So they got young riders. They do have – because I was going to say, they have – if Van Vluten retires, I don't know when that's supposed to be. Um, is, is it next year? She said, uh, I think yes, yeah, but I, next year. I feel like it might be a Valverde case where she might do another year if she feels great. I don't know. Yeah. Like, if she retires in 23, then in 24, SD Works will have Volering, Prime Fisher Black, and hopefully Prime Blanca Vash. That's pretty. They'll have the best GC riders, right? Exactly. Rubus as well when it comes to transfers, but we'll talk about it in a second. I do want to have one final note on Volering. Do we feel like she stagnated a bit or do we feel like she moved towards the Tour de France femme GC thing? Because I swear she's better when it comes to GC, but slightly worse when it comes to the puncher races. For example, the LBLs of the world, the flesh uh, races of the world. So her results there weren't necessarily on point. I do feel uh, that, that she had a reason at LBL where she wasn't on the highest level, for example. But I don't know. I, I missed something there, no? It's hard. I'd have to go and check how fast they did the climbs in Liège this year and how hard the race it was compared to last year when Van der Breek has set a steady pace. Um, won Brabant, should have won Amstel, lost a sprint in Omloop to Van Flirten, head-to-head. Um, to be honest, I, she nearly lost sprints last year, didn't she, in Brabant to like Ruth Winder or someone? Um, yep. It's not like she's a knockout absolute lock to win every sprint and what was kind of surprising to me was more stages two and three of the tour 
where that the stage two was the one Voss won in yep. that sort of uphill finish against Persico Niviadoma and Longaborghini made that move and Vollering got dropped and there was no SD works in front. And that's a finish that really suits her. Then the next stage was the one where Van Vleuten lost time because she was crook. Again, a punchy finish. The one Ludwig won, and Vollering came eighth. Maybe she with him she... with uh, with Fingy uh, Leopard in that descent. No, Vollering did. I think you might be right, or maybe she nearly crashed. Um, but still, continuing the theme of the day before, like that was surprising to me. Um, I thought she'd be better on those finishes, crash with notwithstanding. So, I mean, Vollering came third in that. I mean, Mulman, sorry, came third in that stage. And let's move on to transfers. Mulman is out, probably their best rider that's leaving. Um, she's gone to AG Insurance NXTG team, which is a UCI team, not a world tour team, but probably get a pretty nice schedule she's turning 37 in december but you know van vleuten's been like in her prime the last four years from like 37 to 41 so i mean mulman actually seems to be keeping improving and like yeah even fourth in the age fourth in flesh eighth in brabant seventh in amstel third in uh strada she was consistent all year and then won romandy right at the end so she had an unbelievably good year, and I'd expect her to be their best rider by far next year. How much of a loss for them is it, Benji, or was it kind of kind of necessary from a team chemistry point of view? I think on one end it could improve the team chemistry. I'm not 100% for certain because we don't know the insides of a team. I'm not a fly on the wall in their team bus. But I would say that the growth of the youngsters in the team might reduce the damage that a Mormon leaving does to the team. For example, you said it, Fisher Black really making that step up to like fifth in Girodon. That means she can also be a, a strong domestique for a Volering in a Tour de France Femme on a mountain stage, for example. Those specific things. It now comes down on how you're going to divide your team throughout those races. Eh? Will you send Fisher Black to the Tour de France Femme or will you once again try and aim for a podium now at a Girodon, for example, with Fisher Black? How do you divide those forces and what's your plan there? Because this is a star-studded team. Now, I think the AG Insurance team that she's going to, that's a quick-step team, right? With the investment from like uh, the partner of, uh, not the actual partner, but one of the partners of Patrick Lefebvre. And they want to get that team to World Tour in a few years, if I recall correctly, with Jolin Dora as like a DS. That's my memory from so, it. yeah. So um, it's a team with a lot of like future based on what they are expecting. So I think from Molman's perspective, it's probably a really good transfer to get full leadership and everything because I think this team is close enough to the top. I think this team rode to the France farm with Julie de Welde. So I'm guessing that they're going to get a Tour de France farm wildcard again in 2023. So Molman will be a competitor in that race for ASD Works. And that's maybe the... The bigger danger, if she went to like a pro team that wasn't a Tour de France from competitor, then they would be losing one of their stronger climbers, Molman, and they'd go to a team that wouldn't up compete with them. But now she's going to a team that will compete with them, which might lead to worse results in some races, maybe on the, on the purer climbs. But I would say that she is probably somewhat replaceable for SD Works. 
Yeah, they'll hope that Fisher Black and Blankovash step up, I think. But otherwise, uh, Peters uh, will not be back, we don't think, in 2023. Unfortunately, uh, Roxanne Fournier is out. Incoming, though, are two good riders from Parkotol, Valkenberg, uh, Misha Bredevold. She is 22. She won. She could be a lead out, I think, Mate. role for uh, Vibers. That pronunciation was spot on. I've never heard you name a Dutch name that perfectly in my life. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Always on the phone, uh, yeah, Marain Marain Zane, and I'm basically, I, I'm turning into like Joey Barton when he was doing the press conference in France, and he just started saying English words in a French accent. <laughs> um, maybe I'll just start doing that with Dutch words. Maybe, yeah, Femke Marcus. Um, I might have to do it. Can I do it again? Misha Bredevold, Anne van der Brecher, Dylan Holnerbecher. Maybe it's the interview with Bas. I think it might be that as well. I'm just, yeah, on. But, yeah, I think her, Bredevold, and um, Marcus look to me, Marcus particularly, is more of a generic domestique and lead out, maybe second last woman, third last woman, and Bredevold will be a lead out for Vibas. That's how I see these signings. I would also add that Bredevold could be a lot more than that because I feel like her performances throughout the year are Quite significant. Getting 21st at the Tour de France Femme means that you can also climb decently. I think she can be supportive in multiple terrains, cobble races being one of them, where I recall her getting a top 20 in some uh, pretty important cobble race. Was it RVV? I'm not 100% certain, but she's definitely strong across all terrains. So I expect her next to being potentially a support role for another rider we'll mention fairly soon, a sprinter. Also in other races, she'll be part of the team to be uh, stronger there. And she's only like 22, 23. So give that a few years. I think she can become perhaps a backup leader in one of the bigger races. And if not more, because this is a really talented rider. And now on to the, the third Dutch signing. Lorena Wiebes. She's coming over from DSM. It was a bit of an odd transfer. Just announced that the uh, start of the Tour de France Femme. Like, I don't know, the timing of that transfer was next level, right? Didn't some of the men's teams do that as well? <laughs> Didn't EF announce Carapaz like three days before the Tour or was it before the Giro or something? Possible. I swear the men's teams did that as well. No, I don't know. I, there's also the date of announcement that's, when it's allowed is also 1st August, I think. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like what a coup. The best sprinter <laughs> in the world. It's just a no-brainer. Um, I don't know if DSM couldn't afford to match what SD Works were offering because, frankly, Vibas has had a lot of success at DSM, which we'll get to. Like, it's not like they weren't giving her opportunities or giving her a lead out. She had a brilliant lead out of uh, Francisca Koch, uh, Pfeiffer Georgie, and Charlotte Cool. So it must be money. Because yep. opportunities and everything was else was sorted. Um, I think uh, I think the rumor was four hundred to five hundred k, which is a lot yeah. in women's cycling. So that's probably von Vleuten money, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, given when van Vleuten signed, that's that's big money. But I guess she's just a, a lock for wins. Is yeah. So for SD Works now, this is the thing. How does this work? 
How's this going to work? See, let's, uh, they also signed uh, <laughs> Guarishi from Movistar, the Italian. Uh, she'll be a leader, I think, yeah. uh, for for Vibas, probably last woman. What's the team going to be for the Tour de France fam of Egg Swift? That's a, a big question. One of their, arguably one of their biggest races, if not the biggest race that they ride. Amy Volring is a lock, right? For the Tour de France fam, GC, hoping yep. that she can step up from 2022, that she can get a tiny bit more, maybe a, a slightly better altitude camp, who knows. But also Lirina Vibas next to that. She has to be there for the sprints. There's enough options for sprinting in a Tour de France fan parkour in 2023. So she has to be there. Kopecky, I would argue, solely on the name basis would be there. But are there particular stages where she can be really good? I think there's maybe one option, one stage or two stages. But there, I think we've been We've already run into problems here. We, we've run into problems because you would have to use Kopecky as the lead out. For Ribas then, instead of a Guarishi, because otherwise you might not fit a Guarishi in the squad with Marlon Royster in there, who might want to have a land at the... There was a time trial this time, right? So Royster will want to be there for that one and will be fitting for that one. So that's already like four riders. Volring, Ribas, Kopecky, Royster. Who else is a must for this team? Are you letting Van den Broek and Major stay home? I would take Fisher Black. Uh, I think she's very good and will improve, and I think you need her for Volering GC slash might even, if she steps up, improves, could be a faux co-leader. Um, you need a foot, you need a lead out because Volering's not going to do the proper lead out for uh, Vibers. She won't do it. Royce yeah. will be set up. <sighs> I don't know. It's Cicchini, Majerus, you've signed Bread of Old, Blanca Vash, how will she improve? They've got Anna Shackley. She's GC rider. She probably won't do it. Vulnerable Black, I'm, I kind of wouldn't take, actually. Yeah. No, I wouldn't take her. I would take yeah, Guarishi, Majerus, Bread of Old, Fisher Black. Volering, Vibers, Royce, and I might leave Kopecky home too. That's a harsh one. That's a harsh one. Because like... Well, is she going to beat Voss in the miscellaneous stages? That's a big question, eh? I think at the start of 2022, we would have said yes. At the end of 2022, we would have said no. Because the second half of the season changed our mind on that. Well, the first half of the season made it clear that she can beat her when the stacks are the other way around, because we've had Voss having a, a relatively bad start of the season. Kopecky a great start of the season. They had the like opposite extremes of seasons when it comes to when they were good. Now, I think Shackley is obvious one. I think that's Girodon, for example. And Fisher Black, I'd say she should be domestique now for the TDFF. But I also think that she can compete for a podium at the Girodon. So it's Depending on what they desire, whether she wants to go to both, whether she's going to TDFF, I think TDFF is a better option here. Jordan is badly broadcasted anyway. But I agree that Kopecky is the difficult one in the sense that... I think Kopecky should go to altitude to prepare for Worlds. I think she should do classics, then do uh, proper altitude preparation for Worlds in Glasgow because that course should suit her, right? It suits Voss, of course, but... Maybe remember TDFF is going to run really tight 
up into worlds because it's yeah. the week after the men's race. And so I don't know how much, like it's going to be tough to get go from the end of the women's race to the world. So I would get a Capecchi to peak for worlds because Bollering shouldn't win it. And Vibers probably won't win it. So yeah, I'd let her do Capecchi. both. I'd let her do both and use her as lead out for even instead of Guarishi, unless Guarishi shows throughout the season that she's like the the Merku equivalent of women's cycling. I think here. she will be. I think she will be. She got that dog in her. Yeah, that's um, clear. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what you want, right? Like 33, got that dog in her, signed with Vibas. She's going to be the lead out. It's going to work. I'm, I think that'll work. Um, I think so. Kopec- Kopecky's not going to be as motivated naturally to focus her whole life on delivering Vibas in big races. Like, yeah. Uh, well, maybe she will, and credit to her. But yeah, I would have a go to Worlds and prepare properly for that. And I think Roubaix is the key now this year for for her as well. I think she wants to win Roubaix. doesn't do it. Uh, also, but also because I'm not necessarily putting AVV up there as like the best potential option for Roubaix in the first place. But Kopecky for Roubaix is what I shout for that team. Van den Broek and Majerus will be in that team again. You know it. So hopefully they choose the right leader this time around. And when it comes to the Cobble team, it's a really bloody strong team again. Kopecky, Majerus, Chantal van den Broek. You could put Bredebold in there after her uh, RVV results. Marlon Royster was in the leading group together with Chapman in RVV for quite a while, for example. Also relevant in those races. Will you offer Blancavage the option of starting in RVV this time, or are you once again sending her to Hill Classics? That's a bigger question, but I think Cecchini is also a potential option for the Cobbles. What do you think about Vash? I don't know. It really depends on her shape, because otherwise Volering should just be a domestique for Volering in the, in the Ardennes. To be honest, Classics for me is pretty simple for this team. Omlo, Ken Vavelhem, Shell de Preis, Brugge de Pana, if there's a women's, I think it's a women's Brugge de Pana. Yeah. Um, Vibas. Yeah. Uh, Vibas should be because with, with Royce, with Majerus, with Chantal Vanderbilt Black, I don't care how much of a gap Vibas gives away on the last climb of Hen Vavelham or Omlop. They will be able, they should be able to Omlop, bring most It's closer, eh? That's on the edge. I think you can play both cards there. Kopecky follows the attackers, sits on while we was in the second group. So Vibas won the reduced group sprint 25 seconds behind this year. I mean, I might be undervaluing Pfeiffer Georgie and the DSM helpers. Like the SD Workslands might not be able to chase eat much better than them, to be honest. So you're right. You you put the other rider ahead. They did do that this year in Omelette, but it was Vollering and Van Vleuten just destroyed Destroyed her. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think you go for Vibas. I don't know. Who else was in? I have to have a look. I think Kopecky I mean, lost from Weavers She was. In that she was behind, yeah. yeah. She didn't so, contest the sprint behind. It kind of switches from from Volring going up the road and sitting on and Kopecky being behind to a situation where they have Weavers behind and Kopecky and Volring could go up the road and try and follow. So <laughs> it's on yeah. her. It's like different dynamics, but I do 100% agree with Kent Wevelgem, Brugge de Pannes, Gelde Preis. Those are clear ones, yeah. So uh, I'd say that's pretty obvious for that one. Even the Ronde van Drenthe could be with his 
the way DSM destroyed that that one year. What was it? 2022 or 2021 where they destroyed that with the entire team of DSM and Wibis got over the uh over the Vomberg so many times. I think Great that race. was last year. Um yeah. but yeah, Strata will be Kopecky and Volring again, probably. And then I think RVV, as you said, RVV, v, Roubaix, Kopecky, then they have the options again. Um, so, Volering. yeah, we'll go for Volering. In terms but, of, I think give New Fisher Black a chance, as you said, at leadership in the Giordano again. Maybe she can podium. And the Vuelta, that'll come after Worlds. That'll be tough in terms of scheduling. There's a lot more races this year, and they're still, how many, how many riders they got on the team? They got 14 riders. And there's a lot of races in Women's but World Tour. They are not required to ride them all. So that's the benefit. They can choose and pick which ones they ride. But on the other hand, it gives an advantage to the teams that have more riders, that they're able to ride more races, and as a consequence, get more UCI points. So that's another aspect to it. I think there are probably too many World Tour races in women's and men's cycling. But it would have been much worse if it was obligatory to go to every single one. <laughs> but like, well, if it's not works... obligatory to go, why is it World Tour? Uh, what's uh, the exactly. point of designation? And they send teams of like four riders to certain yeah. races, right? As D works, like that's really There's annoying. Too many. Because... It's too yeah. many, too fast. It's Roman D shouldn't be World Tour. I mean, it's still got it's still got Mormon Van Vleuten. Still got a decent star list. Yeah, I but... don't know. So many fucking races these days. That's the thing. If if you can't guarantee broad coverage, then or good coverage, then like the Giro Don. I mean, I think that's coming back out of it. Got booted into purgatory, right? And still yeah. had a much better start list than I thought. Um, well, actually, it's saying it was Women's World Tour this year, and then it's yeah, still it Women's moved World back Tour next up. year. Yeah, like. <sighs> There's no coverage. It's not helping the sponsors very much. That being said, I think hopefully budgets are going up, money's coming in. It must be. There's so many teams and so many new teams. There's obviously uh, people injecting money to the sport, riders signing big contracts, hopefully a lot more teams, more importantly, at the lower end of the market, matching men's world to a minimum, which I think Trek have done for quite a while. Bike Exchange, I'm pretty sure, will do as well, which is actually a big deal to go from like to go from 400k to 500k i'm getting into personal finance here but 400k to 500k if you're prudent with your money shouldn't actually increase your marginal life utility your happiness that much it really should doesn't matter that much 100k when you're already making 400k but when you're on 20k or 15k like riding for pennies as a professional full-time Going from 15, 20K or less in some cases to 60, 65K, that makes a huge difference to your life. Um, so, and what you can do and et cetera, and be a proper professional. So that's really good. Hopefully we see more and more of that. Um, and I think there is minimums coming in. The rules, there's, the UCI has a, a set of provisions which are progressively transitioning in. And even um, relegation starts next year for women's world tour right uh yes i will be honest i half forgot the system again i had i tweeted it out like months ago but i recall that it is a um 
one year cycle going into a two year cycle then and then after that a three year cycle to line up with the men's cycles so there's a system like that i think there was already a relegation system in 2022 happening but it was different where it was only for teams to be added and not to be relegated so it was a promotion system until now and i think it it will become a relegation system in the future uh i have to like dig into it before knowing it all like why would the UCI in 2021, this time last year, just make like four extra teams world tour and then be like, by the way, in a year we're starting a cycle. We're gonna we're gonna like boot a few of you out. It's like, <laughs> why, why you make them world tour in the first place? Like that's literally what's gonna happen. Um, and then you've got like teams like uh, Roland Kogias that get their UCI licenses in, in the fucking cereal boxes because that team should not be Walter, for example. Like, there's other teams like that aging insurance that would more be worthy of being a Walter team. That's also an aspect of it, and I hope we see that equalize and balance out in the coming years where the teams that deserve to be Walter are Walter, and not necessarily that one team that paid a lot of money, but their widest can't actually be competitive in Walter races. Yep. Anyway, that's SD works for the most part. Um still likely to be overall should be the best team in the world next year you'd think they should win the most world tour races easily with the addition of vibers um what are you expecting do they win one of the three oh the the love world is only like four five six days do they win one of the Girodonna or tour de france um i think they do not how many let's count uh, Strata, Ronde van Vlaanderen, and Avi and Roubaix. How many of them do they win? I think they win Roubaix with Kopecky. Is that a hot take? Nah, but no, I'll still say it. Take. But uh, I feel like in general they will win a similar amount of cobble races and hill classics. They will just win more of those sprint classics next to it. Like Iskelderpreis yeah, and so forth. Rivers will just pick that up left and right and on paper, she should be able to beat a Balsamo. Um, then again, Balsamo was pretty strong in Brugge de Pane and the other one. Was it Genwevelhem where Balsamo also won? Yeah, she beat Voss in the sprint in Genwevelhem. I think I think they win two. So I forgot Liège. Uh, I think they win two of the four. Um, okay. I think they win two. They should win Roubaix with that team, although Trek teamwork is very, very, very good. Anyway, ST Works got a lot to be hopeful for. I forgot to mention they had all their bikes stolen, didn't they? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which, like, all those S works blinged out with SRAM, like, whatever it is. Like, uh, what is that in the corner of, of your room? Is that an S works behind the couch? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't have nothing there. Or is it a fire um, hydrant? <laughs> I got a BMC, this e road e bike thing. It's caused me nothing but headaches. <laughs> fucking thing, dude. You know, technology improves, and there yeah, goes the BMC uh, sponsorship. Well, like, <laughs> listen, if someone could just fix the thing, get me going. I paid full retail for it. <laughs> like, I get, anyway, I, I'm like back fully on. Rim brake, I'm going to sound like crazy. Rim brake, 105 mechanical, tube wheels, uh, tube tires. Just let's go back to 2014, please. It was a much better time. <laughs> um, exactly anyway. the... The bike that's in the garage here, specialized LA rim brakes, um, yep. 
tube and Shimano 105. I know how to maintain it. I know how to fix it. I can build it, strip it. <laughs> but yeah, when the sensor on this thing, because I got it to like pace, I wanted to like pace J um, for KOM attempts and things like that and, f- and film it in Andorra because like, where do you need an e-bike? It's like, okay, well, I, I'm not going to be able to film Jay on a GoPro doing a KOM attempt on my normal bike, am I? No matter how fit I get, <laughs> it's not happening <laughs> unless I can do 6.7 watts per kilo for 20 minutes, which if I do that, the podcast gets shut down, I'll get a contract somewhere. So but anyway, yeah, the, sen- the sensor says it's like minus 40 in my house. And I know that I don't turn the heating on, but minus 40, I think it is not. Um, anyway, DSM, 2022, good season once again, based around Lorena Vibas. They won 28 races. I think she won over 20. 16 of them were at world tour level. That's five more than SD works. Uh, but they were... All stages except for actually they did win it. So Vibas did win two GCs, I think. Uh, she won Ride London Classic GC with the three stages. She won Simac Lazy's Tour with the three stages, two Tour de France stages. Labou won the Giro Stage Seven, and she was good in the Tour and just to improve throughout the year. Plus, she won Burgos GC ahead of uh, Volering because she think, held uh... on on Laguna Stenaya. I think Volering had a concussion in Durango before Burgos. She right. was then sent to uh, Burgos just after, if I recall. Which because she 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 spent the night in the hospital. They were complaining. She was complaining about it on social media that she, it was pretty bad and so forth. And then they sent her to a race a few days later. So that was a bit sketchy in my opinion. But hey, I guess their doctor must have signed off on it. And. Then she wasn't good at all in the first few days, but then she pulled back on the final stage, Volering winning on Laguna Zanaya, but she was so far back in GC that Labu ended up winning GC. That's the story of that race, basically. Maybe the doctor was to a tag of his doctor. Um, <laughs> reference will be lost on Benji. It's a No NFL fucking clue play. what you just said. Um, <laughs> anyway, very reliant on Vibas. That being said... You construct a lead out around her. You ride in the lighter classics for her. And that's literally how team teamwork works. You get a lot of wins. But it wasn't just her. You know, the other, as I said, like Labu really improved. I think Pfeiffer Georgie improved uh, whilst primarily riding as a domestique. I will say Lippert, um, I think like the first pro rider I ever interviewed, uh, she's, she is a tough rider to be a fan of. Like I'm always, <laughs> I'm always hoping Lippet wins, but fuck, she is tough to be a fan of. Always there, always in Group One. She's like Cash in the Viedoma, always Group One. Always, I think, like World, she was the strongest rider, and she didn't medal yeah. because they after she was the strongest rider. I think by far, um, the amount of top fives in her season in top race is unreal. So, yeah. I'm hoping for it to break through. She, and I guess we'll talk about her in a second. Is there anything else from their season review, Benji, to talk about? I, I think it's a tick. Like, what more can you expect? Labu improving. Uh, like, maybe Lippert, uh, I don't know, like a, a win somewhere, like a Cavalli level progression. But other than that, I think it was pretty good. 
I think Lippert just expected at least a victory or at least a tiny bit better of a result at the Tour de France Femme. 16th in GC, she probably hoped for a tiny bit more, perhaps a top 10 there. But I also think she crashed together with following in that stage three, for example. So yeah. that's a, a solid reason for that. Lippert was their focus and she delivered. As simple as that. And that brings us to the biggest issue now. She's gone. <laughs> yeah, like 22 wins out the door. I don't know how many of the World Tour wins were her. Probably over 50%. No, well over 50%, probably over 75%. Yeah. And not just her. Lippitt's gone. Like, yeah. that's two of their best riders gone. And Kirchmann, who was a domestique, who I think was good friends with Lippert and Florcia Mackay, who is good friends with Lippert. I I'm, I'm I don't think I'm imagining that. I, I think they are. Um, she because she's going to Movistar as well. That's four of their top riders. Two of their top top riders gone. And I like Charlotte Cool. Don't get me wrong. I like Megan Yastrab. Talented. I like Labou. And Maeve Plouffe has come in, who's a track rider from Australia. She's had a lot of success, Olympics, world championships on the track, etc. young rider, now transitioning to the road. DSM's done the same on the men's side with Wellsford. I like all those riders. They are not Lorena Vibas or Leanna Lippert. Yeah, and definitely when you consider, just, uh, just got mentioned in a tweet by Cycling Statistics, where uh, he mentions that... In the UCI wins of 2021 and 2022 combined, the men's team had 19 victories. We was in 2022 had 22 victories. Sure, that's more than the men's team in the last two years combined. But also just next to that, 77% of the victories of the SM. Oh yeah, and more yellow. That's so valuable as well, and we haven't even mentioned it. So yeah. how do you replace that in the aggregate? Can you even replace something like that in the aggregate, knowing that she's such a fucking good sprinter? Charlotte Cole nah, was talented. You can't. You can't. You can't. Like, Cole is talented, but she's not made that step up. She's gotten two, two, three top trees, I think, at the Giro Don in stages, but she hasn't been winning that much, if at all, this year. Charlotte Cool is good. Yeah. She, she is good. Um, but it's not like... Yeah, you can't... At the end of the day, someone has to sprint for the win in the Tour de France opening stage. Yeah. And... You can't, in the aggregate, make up a yellow jersey. In the aggregate, you can make up UCI points. And, you know, I'm, I think about this a lot in terms of team construction with, like, like at the end of the day, you, if you want to win the Tour, you need a superstar. If you want to win the big sprint stages at the Tour de France, you likely need a superstar. Points are different. Picking up wins across smaller races are different. So, of course, Charlotte Cool might win, you know, five races next year, maybe more. Um, she might win, yeah, like... A Balois stage, and then a Simac Ladies Tour stage, and then a couple of women's tour stages, and then a Ride London Classic stage. She might get quite a few wins and at World Tour level, but if she goes head to head with Vibers in the Tour de France sprint stages, she ain't winning nine nine times out of ten, maybe more. Um so especially when she was the lead out for Vibers and maybe like Viva's lead out could be even better with Gorishi. I don't know. Um, and then Ploof, she's transitioning to the road. Remains to be seen. She is good, Ploof. Um, I think she, I can't remember because it's not on PCS, but she did the Festival of Cycling 
Yeah, she won something. And won a stage. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering, yep. but right. still not Vivas. So the answer is no. They can't replace her. Yeah, that's certain. And the other riders don't necessarily do that instantly as well. Maybe in the future, these riders can perform to a level where they can win races, but they're not there yet. You mentioned Maeve Bluff. That's the first one, Australian Aussie sprinter. But also next to that, they've got three Dutch people and an Italian, one of which is a rider that we've already seen and mentioned a few times in the podcast, Danny Kangeveld, where she was the rider that went off the front in, I think, his women's Gelderprijs this year or last year and stayed up there for quite a while before the sprint started. She was the rider that went up the front in healthy aging tour in two stages last year and stayed up the front before she was taken and the sprint started. So she's kind of that type of rider that can hold a serious amount of watts for X amount of time and stay ahead of a group. So that's her strength. I don't know if that will lead in to being a cobble rider, for example, for the team or so, or being at the front helping out ruler for... Uh, the coal train, for example. But I think the most intriguing aspects of these signings are the three youngsters that they signed. Ninka Vinke, which is talented junior, Dutch uh, national junior champion. I think she podiumed, got third in the World Championships juniors. Then we've got Anne van der Meiden. She um, seems to be a decent time trollist, but it's probably a bit more versatile than that. Fifth in the World Championships uh, uh, juniors, for example. I think that was time trial, if I recall. Uh, and then the last one is Eleonora Chabocco, which is uh, a talented Italian junior, second at European Champs, uh, junior again. And she was, was Italian champion, I think, at that level as well. So they seem to be investing in the future, which brings me to the point that even with riders that are already there, Jastrap, Barale, these are really young riders. Barale is 19 years old. And I recall that she top 25-day world to race recently, but Ali, was it Romandy where she climbed in the top 25? That is uh, my guess at the moment. Yes, I she think, got 25. Yeah, but yeah, not there yet, eh? No, she'll be a domestique, I think, for Labou. Labou will be the GC leader outright at the Tour de France firm of X Swift. I think getting her on the podium has to be... Uh, priority number one, and then Sh- Charlotte Cool in sprints, priority number two. And, of course, you don't know how riders will kick on. Like, Yastra was dominant in the juniors. She won the road race um, in 2019 and won, like, she won a lot of the juniors in 2019 when she was, um, like, 17. So... Yeah, she's really good, and she signed through 2025 for another three years, so they obviously have a lot of faith in her, and she's part of their plans. I would expect her turning 21 in January to take another step up. Now, what does that look like? Because it's not like Neve Fisher-Black who's knocking at the door, you know? Like, it's hard to tell because she might have been a lead-out the whole time. Um and so you can't see it in her results, but her results aren't screaming out to me that she's going to just come eighth in Tour of Flanders next year. Are we talking Jastrab or? Jastrab, yeah. I feel like we've seen a few races where she got her sprint right. I think she got second behind Vos in a sprint in Scandinavia, and the next stage she got fourth in a sprint as well. So. I feel like that sprint is coming out quite well. And I recall Seratisi Challenge, also a sprint somewhere, top five. That is not necessarily stepping up, but 
that's a secondary sprinting option next to um, a call, for example, which I'm intrigued by. Would Jazz Trap then be the sprinting option for Girodon while a call focused on Tour de France Femme? Or are we more looking at call to do both and Jazz Trap to do like a Scandinavia, a, probably not Simaclades, where that seems more calls territory, but I don't know, some random Seratizit maybe again, I don't know. I think so, yeah. It wouldn't... They need to give Jazz Trap her own opportunities in races because we, they need to see what they've got with her. I think for the classics, they've gotten a lot weaker, both in the lighter classics. They have no real spear point apart from cool, and they've lost Lippet for the punchier ones like the Tour of Flanders. To me, their clear classics leader now in almost all races is Pfeiffer Georgie. She's only 22. She very consistent in classics throughout the year. Miserable weather seems to absolutely yeah. love it. Being from the UK, no surprise. <laughs> Fourth in Doise Dour, ninth in Paru Bay. And I, I feel like she was even stronger than her ninth suggests in Paru Bay. Um, 15th in Genvevelhem. And I assume she was riding for, I'm not sure if Vibas did that. She was riding as a domestique. Primarily, she did for her. So, and she's, I think she's been training a lot in Andorra. Um, from what I can see, dropping dropping clock, based on Instagram, dropping clock half the time. And you think, oh, that's just an, a random anecdote. Actually matters. Like, Van Vleuten, her training with men in the bike exchange, men in the off-season, and training in Andorra in particular. Like, I saw Van Vleuten here all the time this year. Like, and you know the story of how she's, like, eating food at the server? Literally, see, it's just sitting in, like, the curb, eating, like, a sandwich. around, like, you know there's nice cafes. Like, you don't have to make this more miserable than it is. Um, <laughs> and, like, like she's also... At, she's in Andorra all the time. Is it also not that she adapted to the fact that races started earlier throughout the day by adapting her own life to it, to be able to adapt to that? Because women's races sometimes start really early in the morning. And I swear at certain points she adapted her own sleeping schedule to make that better for her or something. I mean, she did that thing with Australia, trying to be on Australian time. I'm not sure how much of a difference it made. Um, <laughs> she was a little bit jet-lagged when she broke her arm in the TTT. Um, so. But yeah, back to Pfeiffer Georgia, I think that might make a difference. And it sounds like you think it's just irrelevant. It's not. Like she's training through the off-season in Andorra consistently, especially doing maybe a bigger case with clock. I think she's going to really kick on next year. And I'm expect- I am think I think Pfeiffer Georgie, first of all, is going to win Roubaix. Um, <laughs> I love it. And I think she'll pick up another couple of podiums in World Tour Classics too because she's got unfettered leadership She's young, already shown a lot of talent, and I think there's improvements. So that's that's my the big one to watch in this team. Um, yeah. And she's signed through 25 as well. So they're obviously, they see something in her too. Uh, and they might even go for her, I think, in in like Balwaza, Women's Tour. I think they'll go yeah. for her in GC in those sort of races too. I think so as well. I think it's logical. The races there are sometimes miserable because it's in the UK, uh, the women's tour. So that fits her weather preferences. And the parkour is also not the bigger climbs. You don't have mountains in the UK, for example. No. But you did have that 
I think it was called the Black Mountain or something. Uh, that climb where we saw Faulkner and Sethol fight against each other. I don't think she's good enough to be in that competitive group there. So if it's a more easy parkour where it's hills instead of like that mountain finish, mountain in UK, so don't expect like a tourmalade at the end of a stage when you look at the profile. Oh, they've but, got long climbs in the UK. It's just they just don't they use don't, it. Yeah, they can't use them. Um, it's too far up where they eat meat pies, which I don't like. Well, I think it's just normal pay for a you know it just doesn't doesn't work. It'd be be good to see the long climbs, but yeah, like it's like in Australia, like Tour Down Under. We we've got there's the Victorian Alps, but Tour Down Under's in South Australia for good reason. Tourism Commission supports it, but yeah, Northern Summit and Valunga's all you got. Um, <laughs> I don't even think you have that in women's draw a lot of the time, but yeah, that's I don't know. It's I feel like their budget has it gone down. Is it like, would you say it has gone down or would you say that it's people flat. was getting underpaid at DSM anyway? Yeah, I think, first <laughs> of all, Lip, Lippitz on her, was on her original contract, maybe. I don't know how her long her original contract was. Maybe she got it, yeah. Lippitz, so let's say Lippitz was on her original contract. Vibas was underpaid. Not like, you know, on five figures but was well, not on most female cyclists are underpaid so but like relative to what market conditions yeah, were yeah. she was underpaid um Labu was not paid like a fringe Tour de France Femme Vic Swift podium contender and then they've extended Georgie Jastrab Labu all till 24 25 they've brought in a fair few of those young riders probably on probably on the minimum let's be real um it's yeah, the the budget's probably flat, which is I don't know, kind of surprising because in terms of exposure, like this team's way better than the men's team and has way better success than the men's team, especially in France and the Tour of France farm. Like the men's team is one of the favourites to be relegated next cycle. They're terrible, straight up, like awful team. Um, that's, I'm not saying they don't have talented riders. I'm saying half the team is a dev team. Like, I like Marco Brenner, but he's not – I like the rider. I think he's a good rider and someone's going to sign him, but he's not going to score a shit ton of points next year. So, yeah. Anyway, that's that's what's happened. Um, the women's team is is still, I think, looking pretty good. What do you what do you expect from Labou? Uh, I think her focus is to get a top three at the Tour de France. I think she needs to step up for that. I think she's not on that level to get that top three. But no. let us remind ourselves that she wasn't too far off either. If we look at her results, we see that she was fourth already. But the issue is... Cavalli crashed out. Cavalli crashed out. Exactly. Was I was not... Mulman was sick or crashed yeah. out or just DNF'd? Had something at the start of that like major mountain stage before the broadcast started for which she was already dropped when the broadcast actually started. But it's also difficult because what do we expect from other youngsters? Like a Persico, will she move up as well? Will she be able to be the Labu in the future? But I think Labu has a definitely a possibility of podiuming the Tour de France from next year. And if they really focus on that, that can be a goal for her. And it's not even a crime if it's just the top five again. Is she better than Nate Fisher Black in 2023? It's hard yep. for me to assess. I think, yep. yes, she is. Um, 
and maybe that's also partly because she has clear GC leadership and Fisher Black doesn't too. So yep. that plays a big role as well in, in the results. Um, but yeah, Fisher um, Labu, very very consistent this year. Um, she's very small, so she does lack. She really lacks that punch. Um, I, I don't know. I'm sure maybe she's won a sprint once, but I don't know How's who her- she's beating in a sprint. How's her time trial for that time trial in Tour de France Femme? Because that will have an effect, of course, this year. She was full fiend in the prologue at Giro Don. That's not a bad result. That's not a great result. It's kind of like on par with a Cavalli, for example. But outside of that, we don't see many like time trials throughout the season. She beat Gold on Rigaud when she was Wolves. U23 in TT. She's going to lose loads of time to a Van Vleuten and so forth, but it doesn't matter for third, right? Um. Yeah, well, if well, depends who? who's going for third. Persico, Niviadoma, they won't do it. Longoborghini, Cavalli was similar. Volering, Molman, Molman's TT is also not perfect. So yeah. we're talking about third. Yeah, does matter. Should be all right. What? How hard's the hardest mount stage of the tour? Tourmalet, right? Tourmalet. I reckon she should cook on that. She won the Giro Stage 7, which was a pure mountaintop finish, long climb. And then she but was from break. good. Was that from break? Ah, okay. I think it was from the break because she lost loads of time in like a, a rolling hilly stage or something that came before. I don't know for certain. She's got to try and do – she obviously <laughs> – hey, you should try and do well on the mountain stage if you go for GC <laughs> in the tour. Like, yeah, that, that's the stage that's obviously important for her. Um, what, what analysis. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Labu, Georgie, I think will improve and they will be hoping that Cool, Jastrab, Ploof can improve. But those are much, much less certain. Otherwise, they have young riders who will be domestiques and just racing to get experience. Would you have to prefer to sign the likes of those uh, Ninkovinka, for example, those like Dutch junior riders? Or would you have riders sign the Misha Bredewold where there's upside on that? Yeah, like, but can they afford her? Slash, if you're Bredewold, wouldn't you rather go to SD Works? Um, Yeah. What I think they're actually missing is the one of the outgoing riders, you know, who we haven't mentioned very much. Two of them is Kirchman and Mackay. They are missing two experienced domestiques like Majerus, like a Peters formerly, like Mackay or Kirchman. These riders they've brought in are not going to be as reliable in bringing back moves for a five for Georgie or Cool in a in a classic. So that's where. They are missing riders. Hopefully the young riders can step up. But, yeah, it would have been good to maybe get an experienced domestique if they hit the market, but they didn't. Anyway, that's the DSM preview. I think it is inevitable that they will score less wins next year. That's just the reality of Vibas going out the door. Otherwise, I still think an above-average, well above-average World Tour team in terms of team construction, talent, and riders that are developing. So, and I still think they'll win an above-average amount of races next year uh, with sprinters, classics, and and the blues. So, not a disaster. 
it's the commercial reality of one of the big teams taking Superstar or two big teams, Movistar as well, taking Lippert. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's just is what it is. Um, can't really fault them for it. And I'm hoping they have a good season. Any last takes on DSM, Benji? Someone you think will break through? Um, I, do, I must admit, I don't know the young riders apart from Pluth their profiles too well can any of them actually win a world tour break or anything like that well i haven't seen their junior races as well like only the world championships but that was zoe bach they're riding away for for like seventy-five thousand kilometers out and she just rode away for two minutes and that's how the race was won uh, so if we take a look at the other teams for example well the other aspects to that we don't know yet we'll have to know next season why couldn't they sign there. her because EF did it. But like, do EF have more money than them? I don't know. It's like weird, huh? Because Zoe Bashed goes to EF, Magnus Bashed goes to Canyon as like a DS, so that entire family is like splitting apart in World Tour. <laughs> Eleanor is at who? Unix? Who? <laughs> Eleanor Bachstead at Unix, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like I'm sure some of the riders DSM signed are very nice. Riders um, could improve, but yeah, I'd rather trade. Agreed. Trade four of them for Zoe Baxter. <laughs> she, she looks, <laughs> she looks like a lock. Um, she could yeah. win Walter races, no? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> she should be immediately competing at Tour of Flanders um, yeah. next year. So, do you think a team she's like- worth two hundred k straight up? A weird question. Do you think that women's world tour teams or world tour teams or any cycling team could improve the likability of their team for riders that are looking for a contract or that are free for transfer by just having better social media work? Would it be a more attractive team to go to if a team, for example, like is D-Works is fucking boring on social media. They like post their press releases, their, their transfer announcements are, to be honest, I can make them a paint. And would it be a more attractive team, for example, if they had like amazing Movistar level uh, social media? Money talks. <laughs> I think, to be honest, like, I honestly don't think riders care that much. Maybe I'm misreading. I mean, if an 18 year old is looking at two teams and the money's the same or the development's the same, but like, Kane Otterbrook signed with Bora because he thought he'd develop him and they probably paid him good paid him a good bundle of cash. And yeah, their social media not that exciting. <laughs> like I don't I think money talks, honestly, and that's why, okay. yeah, like two hundred uh, do you reckon Baxter's on two hundred? I don't reckon. I don't No think way. So. No way she's on two hundred. She should be. Cause I think of I'll, I'll change slightly your question i'll say can women's world tour teams factor in the potential marketing value of a signing better in pricing their contract absolutely zoe backstep she's got the sort of the family story she's british reality is that is important especially dsm yeah. often has british riders um in terms of mark an important marketing demographic for dsmu scott right Scott I don't bikes. fucking know anymore. Pretty sure they use Scott bikes. Scott's obviously keen to market in the UK. 
they sponsor Francis Cade, who I'm sure has a large audience share in the UK. Backstat's a huge young talent. Like she ticks all those boxes. I think you could leverage her and be like, okay, let's overpay. Let's let's you know sell the farm for this rider because she's the one. It's kind of like in the also Peacock. Um, so yeah, my answer is sort of. I think the social media or at least marketing value of riders should definitely be factored in. And, you know, 200K, let us know, Zoe. Like, are you <laughs> – I don't think – but I don't think she's on 200K. And that, that that's a big number for Women's World Tour, especially for a Neo Pro. I don't think Neo Pros get paid that. But if you want one of the big stars, I think that's where the market's moving. And I think she's not a normal rider. She's like a, a special rider. So. Yeah, that's my view on it. Um, I think EF getting her for two years, that immediately takes that spoilers, team. Spoilers, from, spoilers, spoilers, oh, spoilers. Year, that's for the year. future. That's for the future. We're not at the EF preview yet. They only got her for one year. Damn. That's dangerous, huh? Yeah. <laughs> SD works. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about that in the EF podcast that's coming okay. up in the future. All right, that's the SD works and DSM preview. Let us know down below. Uh, what you expect from both of these teams? Do you like their transfers? The way they're moving? To be honest, none of us really, neither of us really had any serious criticism of their transfers. It's just, you know, a lot of logical steps from my perspective. Uh, but that's all from us. Thanks to Zwift as always, and we'll see you in the next one. Ciao.